three, two, one. Welcome back to the Bushnell Project. John Bushnell here. Thank you for joining me on this journey as I try to encourage us all to be more and more in God's Word, reading it, and getting better at reading it, reading it, and getting better at understanding it, prayerfully reading it, prayerfully calling out to God for help through the Holy Spirit, and also to keep us humble before the Lord. I think that's a good place to be. And we are in chapter 39 of Exodus. We've been going all the way through Exodus. Before that, we went all the way through Genesis. And we are not going to go through Leviticus, but I have decided that I do sort of want to walk us through a little bit about Leviticus to encourage you to read it. And we'll see how that how that goes. But we are in chapter 39 of Exodus. I often fail to mention what Bible I'm reading, what, uh, whether it's King James, New King James, ESV. So typically it's ESV. There's lots of good translations out there. NASB is a really good one. But it's actually a little bit harder to read for me. And so I like the ESV. All right. Chapter 39. Let's look at... The making of the priestly garments, shall we? All right. Verse 1. From the blue and purple and scarlet yarns, they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place. They made the holy garments for Aaron, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made an ephod of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen. And they hammered out gold leaf, and he cut it into threads to work into the blue and purple and the scarlet yarns and into the fine twine linen in skilled design. They made for the ephid attaching shoulder pieces joined to it at its two edges. And the and the skillfully woven band on it was of one piece with it and made like it of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the onyx stones enclosed in settings and gold filigree and engraved like the engraving of a signet according to the names of the sons of Israel. And we set them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the breastplate. All right, let me stop there. We're going to continue reading because I do want to try and get through this. But so this uh, ephod or ephod, however you want to say it, is the part that is the outer part of these garments. So he's going to be wearing three or four garments, like underlaying and then a blue apron. And then a coat, and then this ephod. And the ephod's sort of almost like an apron that's in front of him with attached at the shoulders. So that's what that all that was. And it has these stones at the top, and it's going to have this breastplate with more stones, and the stones on the shoulder tops have the 12 tribes of Israel, and the breastplate's going to have the 12 tribes of Israel. So let's read about that which we've actually already read about it, so now they're making it, right? All right? He made the breastplate in skilled work 
in the style of the ephod of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twin line, uh, twined linen. It was square. They made a breastplate double a span its length and a span its breadth when doubled. And they set it in a f- set in it four rows of stones, a row of sardius, topaz, and car- carbuncle for the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, and the third row a jacinth, an agate, and amethyst, and the fourth row row a Burley and ox and onyx and a jasper. And if any of you are big into jewels, I apologize for massacring those names. All right. Continuing on here, halfway through verse 13. They were enclosed in settings of fine gold. There were 12 stones with their 12 names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They were like signets, each engraved with its name for the 12 tribes. And they made on the breastplate twisted chains like cords of pure gold. And they made two settings of gold, filigree and two gold rings, and put the rings, the two rings on the two edges of the breastplate. And they put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastplate. They attached the two ends of the two cords to the two settings of filigree. Thus they attached it in front to the shoulder pieces of the ephraim. Then they made two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breastplate on its inside edge next to the ephod. And they made two rings of gold and attached them in front of the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they bound the breast piece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue so that it should lie on the skin skillfully woven band of the ephod and that the breast piece should not come loose from the ephod as the Lord had commanded Moses. And we're going to stop there. All right. So this ephod or ephod, I think I've said it both ways and I'm trying to stick with ephod today anyway. Um, so here we are making a lot of the garments, but the ephod for sure with the shoulder pieces and the breastplate with the four rows of stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of skilled talent goes into this. And it's just, it's interesting that in this book of Exodus here, we have God telling Moses how it's going to be done. Then we have Moses telling the people how it's going to be done. And then we have the scriptures telling us how it was done. So it seems repetitive, but it would be interesting, an interesting thing to do. I've never done this, but imagine if you were to sit down with some artists who knew what some of these things were, like what the jewelry would look like and what, um, for instance, when they say shoulder piece, what they mean or um, what they mean by seen there's a couple other words where I was like I'm not really sure I know what that is and I hope I'm saying it right I'm not talking about the jewelry but I'm talking about some of the other things that were in here but imagine sitting down and saying okay I'm going to describe to you something and I want you to draw it and to see what it looks like so there's a couple of places in museums around the world and I think including the Bible Museum in Washington DC where you can see where 
seamstress and artist have tried to replicate the the outfit that Aaron the priest would wear and it's pretty interesting I've, I have a a couple of different books that are you know supposed to be sort of the last what supposed to be the you know, the supreme authority on this kind of stuff right and I'm looking at two pictures that are sort of the same but also very much not the same from people who say they know one is actually a picture of a model of the high priest at the bible museum in amsterdam and then the other is in my esv study bible so they don't they look they both look very similar they both have the uh, but some of the colors are a little bit different. <clears throat> and then obviously they read things a little bit differently. But anyway, that would be an interesting drill, I guess. I don't know. It would be kind of fun. I don't know. But the main thing is, having said that and looking at these things, it's obvious that what we hear often is not the same as what somebody else hears. And so and God knows that because he made us, right? So here in Exodus, we have God telling it to Moses, Moses telling it to people, and then the Bible telling us how they did it, right? Well, according to Moses, we believe Moses is the author writing this for at least the editor, if you will, editor-in-chief of Exodus. So through all of that, we have this, and we're going to see that it is as God had told Moses to do it, right? Wouldn't it be cool at the end of a day of you working that somebody says, you know, that is exactly how God wanted you to do that. I think that would be, that would be awesome. And, but I don't know of that really happening very often, not lately anyway. But I think that many of us, when we really try to do things God's way, that there are ways that God does show us that we're getting it. And so my question to me kind of today is, <clears throat> am, I, am I really doing things the way God intended me for to do it? Whether it's in how I discipline myself during the day, how I work, how I uh, treat my wife, how I interact with my children who are they're grown, but am I willing to interact with them? Am I still, have a, do I still have a relationship with them? What are the things that I am doing that are pleasing to the Lord? And so to ask you today, what are you doing that is pleasing to the Lord as we all are to, to well, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So there's an enjoyment in it in glorifying Him. So how do we know that we've glorified Him today? Well, are we doing things His way? Are we doing what we know for Him? that he wants us to do. So if you have the opportunity to lie and you don't lie, that's probably what God wanted you to do. If you had the opportunity to cheat and you didn't cheat, right? If So maybe maybe for me, I should stop at the stop sign and obey the speed limit. That may be a hard one. And maybe watch how much sugar I take. That might be another one I probably should do. All right. So now I'm convicting myself. I don't like that. So I'm going to stop. Hope you guys have a great day. God bless you. Talk to you soon.